Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. commitment and communion service on their level and so let's pray that God will touch them amen we want to connect them to the cause and so they're not just out there being entertained but deep principles and truths of God's word are being planted and placed in their heart while we are in this house today amen there's a lot of moving parts in this one service we're trying to get a lot done and so I uh, will not try to get everything done today but uh, we're going to, we will, in just a few services, we will update you on what our CFC offering was for a total, and then I will also update you in, in some upcoming services about our building fund after we close the year. We have so much ground to cover today. I don't want to throw too much at once, but I will tell you this, that God has certainly blessed us, and that is because of our faithful giving, and so I'm just asking you to continue that into 2017. We will receive our pledge cards at the very end of the service. The very end of the service, our ushers will come again. And uh, it will be after our communion service, just so you kind of know what to expect here. And so the Bible uh, talks about let us give as we purpose in our heart. And so I just want you to, as we've talked about many services leading up to today, to purpose something in your heart. Amen. Whatever God would lay on your heart to do for global missions and for our missions altogether in general, that is global and North American missions and our building fund. Amen. I'm just going to ask the Lord to help us today, and I want you to pray for me. I don't want to sound this to sound like a warning shot over your head, but I have a lot of ground to cover. And so I want to know what to hit, what to omit. And um, I just feel so many things, even earlier this morning, I just felt God stirring some things in my heart. And uh, I know we didn't come here to camp out. But, you know, I was watching yesterday morning a little, somebody posted a, a little news clip, I think it was on Fox News, of people that were gathering at Times Square uh, yesterday morning and uh, camping out in tents and in very inclement weather. And, you know, that just kind of makes me feel good about just taking my time today. <laughs> Amen. If, if they'll do that just to watch a ball drop, and as Brother Chris Osborne, I think it was Brother Osborne this morning mentioned, they probably don't even remember when it dropped. Amen. If they'll do all that, let's just sit around the fire and warm our hands here today. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, join with me in the book of Exodus chapter 35. The book of Exodus chapter 35. Amen. And we're going to begin reading at verse number five. I want to say welcome home to everyone um, that had the opportunity to go away for the holidays. We're thankful that you had the privilege to do that, but you were sure missed. You were sure missed, and we're glad that you're back home. We kind of feel like a half a pair of scissors when you're not here. 
And uh, so we're glad that you're here, glad that you're home, and uh, may the Lord richly bless you. The book of Exodus chapter 35 and verse number 5, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Everybody say unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. Amen. Lord, I love you today, and I'm asking you to touch the word to my heart, and I pray, God, that my lips would be anointed of you, and then I also pray that me included, every heart in this house will be a recipient, that we will have a listening ear and a receptive heart to receive your word today, and I ask you to strengthen us now in the fear of the Lord. We stand and say, in Jesus' name, amen, and you can be seated. In the name of the Lord, this is a very important day in our calendar year. Of course, I will tell you that we consider every service at Hatchman Apostolic Church to be important, every service. But this is an important and a unique day in our calendar. Today, we're going to be receiving our pledges for our missions, which, as I mentioned a moment ago, includes both our global missions efforts around the world and North American mission efforts building churches in America, North America. And, and our building fund uh, as well for our future and for the future of this church. So your faithfulness, our faithfulness through the year affords us the opportunity to support many ministries. Not all of them, of course, are within uh, our local church. We have, um, as we've mentioned, many venues where we reach out uh, and invest in other people and their ministries, and not just with dollars, but we have sent... Uh, on many occasions, both overseas and here in our own state, men who have gone to work and labor, and we appreciate that. So we make a lot of those investments. And then we have our mission services throughout the year where we have the opportunity to meet the people who have boots on the ground. And they are ministering in their respective call of service, whatever country that God uh, may have Uh, afforded them and opened the door for them. We have, as you know, been very, very invested and involved in global missions in Guatemala, not only there in building churches, but also in recent years of our effort in working with the the orphanage. And so we're excited to know that at the end of this year, uh, it will be in December, (laughs) so it seems like a long way away, but we're going to be privileged to have Brother Brad Thompson, the missionary, to Guatemala with us next year and this will not be his first time here but I'm already looking forward to that and I think, I think I'm thankful that God allowed that opportunity to come our way for a few services now I've been asking you to prayerfully consider what God would have you to do to be a part of our giving for this, this year and so I want to say as I often say that it's not altogether that we give or what we give rather but it's that we give that we are a participant because truthfully, everyone can give something. And so let's understand very very honestly from our heart that we can all be involved in missions on some level. There's no such thing as an offering that's too small or too insignificant because what happens when we, when we come together corporately with anything, we see phenomenal things done. And I'll talk about that a little bit. And so no offering is too small. It's not what you do all together or not what I could do all together, but it's what we can do and then join our efforts with others and collectively it becomes staggering 
at what can be done. Our faithfulness in giving affords us the privilege to not only bless, but it gives us the opportunity to be blessed. And so I think that most people understand the principle of Luke 6 and 38, given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. And I think just like God blesses individuals and God blesses families, I am a firm believer that God also blesses churches as well. The church itself will be blessed corporately. Amen. And I... I uh, I remember years ago, and I hope you receive this in the spirit that I say it, but many, many years ago, a friend of mine was starting a home missions church, and we were talking about missions one day, and he said to me, he said, you know, I can't wait until we get to the point where we can afford to give to missions. And I said, whoa, let me interrupt you. I said, you need to give to missions now because that is where your blessings come from. When Job remembered his friends, when we start investing in others, amen. And you know what? He paused and he said, I received that, amen. I'm not boasting in me today. I'm just telling you that the Lord had a word for him that you don't need to wait until you can do that. You do that now. And I understand that our economy for the last number of years has been a little bit all over the map. And uh, that calls, brings calls for concern in all of our heart. But let me tell you something about God's economy. God's economy doesn't change. And so when we invest what the scripture says of our tithe, 10%, that's 10% of whatever. God will bless that. Amen. When we give whatever we can give, you invest into God's economy. And I'll promise you that God will indeed be the one doing the blessing. So he blesses us individually, blesses us as family and blesses us as a church. I have watched in awe at what the Lord has done with our church and through our church over, over the last number of years. And, and uh, in just a couple of weeks, uh, Sister Boyd and I will be privileged to have uh, been elected to the pastor of this church for 28 years, and that just seems almost unbelievable. And uh, I'm, But I'm thankful to see what the Lord has done and how he has blessed the efforts of our giving and our reaching out. I'm very, very thankful for that. A few weeks ago, I asked Brother Jerry Hearn to, to share these numbers, and so I, I just repeat them because they are worth repeating. In 2016, the Florida North American uh, churches, I'm just talking about in the state of Florida. I want to just pause here and just kind of explain something very quickly. I'm going to talk about 18 churches that are currently on status, what we refer to as on status as a home missions church. This does not include preaching points. This does not include daughter works. We have 39 new works in the state of Florida right now, currently 39. And there are, so that means there are 21 churches that have a preaching point. That's where someone is going somewhere. Uh, and they're going somewhere specific and they're teaching Bible studies that may be in someone's home, that may be in a community center and they are just testing the water, if I can put that in everyday language to see if they can garner some interest and then uh, move to the next state of actually uh, having a daughter work where they would try to, to get a, a work off of the ground. And so I'm not talking about preaching points and I'm not talking about daughter works. After a daughter work gets established, and uh, then it, there's a decision to make whether or not that church is ready to become a full-time or an autonomous church. And they would just kind of go out on their own. And that in that stage is when they are eligible then 
to become a home missions church or on status of a home missions church. That means the doorway has opened for the next five years for them to receive funding through home missions and things of that nature, uh, Christmas for Christ, this offering that we just received. And so uh, that's what a home missions church is. I just want you to be clear when I talk about these 18 churches, we have 39 new works altogether. As a matter of fact, that is an, that's an old number. I know there have been some other churches, uh, some, no, some new daughter work started in Florida since these numbers, but I don't know how many, so I'm just going to say 39. I'd rather lie to you on this side of it. <laughs> Very poor choice of words. <clears throat> Amen. I'd rather undersell than oversell. But among these 18 churches, and this, of course, is only for the first eight, 11 months of 2016, among these 18 churches, the collective attendance for these churches has been, the collective average attendance has been 927. There have been 257 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 172 people have been baptized, and there have been 810 first-time guests. Amen. Thank God for North American missions. Amen. Thank God for North American missions. Now, I want to be specific because it just, a question just kind of came up in my mind and maybe it came up in yours and I picked up on it. And so someone would say, well, how do you know all these numbers? Well, for a church to be under home mission status, they have to keep up with these statistics because if we're going to be supporting them financially, we want to know that they are in the trenches working and they're not just in Tahiti somewhere sipping on And so there's some accountability. There is some accountability. So <laughs> is that all right? Well, I've said lie and I've suggested other things. So this is going to be an interesting day, isn't it? Amen. God bless our pastor. You tell my wife is not here. Our Lord, have mercy. Nobody call her and let her listen in. But I say, Lord, thank you for these heroes. These are heroes of faith. They are in the trenches. Amen. Shake their hand at conference. Shake their hand at camp meeting because they are are not talking about it, they're getting the job done. And so none of this would be possible if it had not been for churches just like us, a part of the United Pentecostal Church and our support. On a larger scale, I am global. Uh, this has been a one-time offering for the last three years at General Conference, money raised in an effort to reduce the time that our missionaries have to travel on deputation. And so it just helps to just give them their budget uh, prematurely and help them get back into their, into their work. And uh, earlier this year, we shared some of those statistics from uh, 2000 and 2014 and 2015, the months of deputation that has been canceled due to our participation and others just like us, our participation in the I Am Global effort. Uh, the months of deputation that have been canceled have been nearly 218 months, 217.8 to be exact. Years of years of deputation, 18.2. The deputation money's cost that has been saved is uh, almost right at $1.3 million. And that also comes down to a savings of the local church to nearly $800,000. And uh, because it costs money to have mission services and to put them in hotel rooms and to feed them and, and all of the things and to give them an honorarium and things of that nature. And so I'm sharing this with you today. I don't want you to get tired of hearing this because I want you to know that when you give... It's not vaporized, amen, but it is invested and there are churches that are growing and the money is taken and invested right back into the kingdom of God. 
on a more personal note, and I say this thankfully, and if I use the if I use the word pride or proud, it would be only in a godly sense. But in May of 2015, Brother and Sister Everett Berg started a preaching point in Madison, Florida. They started out by having Bible studies in the home of a man. A man, actually, Brother Everett Berg met in prison. So through the prison ministry, uh, he met this man, and uh, and after this man got out of prison, uh, then they reconnected, and they started a preaching point, having Bible studies in the, uh, in the home of this man or his mother's home in his mother's home and they started having Bible studies in uh, this man's mother's home and uh, began to garner some interest there in that local local neighborhood and then in time they were able to acquire uh, the use of the public library but they couldn't get that every Sunday so on certain days of the month Sundays of the month they could have uh, that they could have their services in the public library and uh, this was uh, one of the services here where you can see Brother Everett standing there all kind of laid back in his blue polo shirt I'm jealous of him today, amen, <laughs> and, uh, and they were teaching there, it was during this time they were able to, while they were still having services in Bible studies in, their, in this home and in the library and sometimes in the city park, it was during that time they were able to have their very first baptism and they baptized their very first convert. Amen. Now that's old school right there. That's a horse trough. And uh, and I'm going to tell you, I was standing there within just a few feet of where that picture was taken, and uh, there was the power of the Holy Ghost was so palatable, real. It was incredible. Amen. And I'm thankful for what God is doing. As God, as time has moved on, they were able to have Bible studies in homes in the city park, as I mentioned, when available at the library. But in the early summer of 2016, they located located a building and we this church was able to lease that building for them to have services in uh, they finally now had a permanent place to call home before they were having to hand out cards and say well now we're going to be at the library on the first and the third and we're going to be over here on the second and the fourth and it was very hard to get people to even know where they were going to be having church but now they have an address and now they have a time that they can send people and the Lord began to open doors uh, for them instantly Amen. someone donated a pulpit others donated chairs and then later on somebody donated some even better chairs so we're donating those chairs into another home missions work and uh, the chairs, then someone donated chairs and tables for their fellowship hall. And uh, this is where they're able to not only have their fellowship as they had last Sunday, but they're also able to have a Sunday school class and, uh, and to teach some of the children that are attending there. And so I'm thankful. It's the prayer, amen, that behind this work that is going to cause it to touch lives in this community. The foundation upon uh, where uh, this church was founded and, and uh, the, uh, if we can just say the motto of this church is where new life begins. Amen, where new life begins. And so we're just praying that God would touch them. Would you just slip your hands up? Amen. Can we pray for Madison right now? And brother and sister Bird, let's ask God to touch them. I ask you today, Lord, to anoint this work. I thank you, God, for the privilege that you've given us to be able to have the finances to help them lease this building. God, to be able to fix this building up and make it into a, a very beautiful and warm, receptive place where people can come in and feel your presence. And I'm asking you to touch Brother Everett and Sister Cricket. Anoint them today as they have never been anointed before and let the power of the Holy Ghost touch them. Lord, you're gonna touch them in a real way. And I pray, God, a great anointing to be upon them in this work. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. We have had several families in the, and uh, some families in our church that have connected with this work and have been very faithful to support their services on a regular basis. And so I'm going to say, if you have not already had the privilege to attend, let me encourage you to do that and support them. I'm sure they would appreciate that. These are exciting things to be able to report. Amen. But we need to be reminded of one thing, and I always want to throw this in because it's something that we have to give ourselves that look in the mirror, that straight look in the eye, that straight question to the heart. To be a part of a giving and a going church does not make us a giver, nor does it make us a goer. Amen. And we need to know the truth of that. And so I need to not stand in the overflow of someone else's blessing. I need to ask myself, am I a giver? Amen. Am I on board? Am I a part of this? And so here is what I am after today myself. I want to create an overflow for myself and for my family. I know that the Lord could come at any moment, but you know what? If he don't and another generation comes by, there is a generation behind us and that generation grows up, I want them to know the power of Pentecost. I want them to know the power of the kingdom of God and the privilege that it is to work within the kingdom. Amen. I just feel like saying this today. When I was grazed, when I was growing up, I, I preachers said this all the time, and so forgive me for not saying it often enough, but they were they would use the illustration as my mind recalls that, that uh, that that many people are reaching for things to be in life. And so they would even talk about being the president of the United States, but something greater than being a president of the United States of America would be a a preacher of the gospel. And so I pray that God will call young men. Amen. I pray God will call young ladies and let the brand of fire of the gospel touch their heart. Amen. I don't want to just build a church that will seat more people, but let's build a church that will send more people. Amen. And let the power and the kingdom of God, let it grow, let it grow, let it grow. Amen. I want to create that overflow. Therefore, I want to, I want to take the advice. I want to take the advice of a man that well understood the ways of the Lord. We're going to look at Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse number 1. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse number 1. The Bible says, this is from the pen of Solomon, cast thy bread upon the waters. For thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there shall it be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper. Thou, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Amen. So here's the charge that Solomon gave us. Cast your bread upon the water. Even when we don't know when it's going to come up 
or even where it's gonna come up, can I tell you today, it will return. Amen, will you say that with me? It will return. Let's say it again, it will return. Amen, cast your bread upon the water. Amen, you are going to find it. They, when we think about the clouds, he said the clouds. He said when the clouds are blessed with water, he said they shall empty themselves. That's what Solomon said. When the clouds are full, they shall empty themselves. I want you to notice how indiscriminately that the clouds empty themselves. Amen, the rain falls on the field that needs it and falls on the field that doesn't need it. The scripture says, it rains on the just and the unjust. Solomon went on to say, he that observes the winds and the clouds will never sow. And so here is what Solomon is telling everybody, you and I, in this house tonight. If you wait until everything is just right to sow, then you will never have a harvest because there are rarely just right days. There are rarely just right moments. As a matter of fact, if, if that is your bent, if that's what you're waiting for, the devil will make sure that you never have a just right moment because when you think it's gonna be just right, you're gonna have a flat tire. When you think it's gonna be just right, you're gonna need another this and another that. But when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, I will add all these other things unto you. I'm gonna tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost kind of sneaking in on me here this morning and I just want to remind you when, when the Lord sent the children of Israel he said I want you to leave Egypt I want you to walk out into a land that flows with milk and honey a land of promise but can I remind you there were a lot of un, uh, uh, there were a lot of unanswered questions and so the Lord said I'm just going to make sure the shoes on your feet never wear out I'll make sure the clothes on your back never wear out he said when he's commissioned his disciples take no thought you don't even take food or raiment. Don't even worry about what you're gonna say. Am I in the book now? Amen, don't even worry about what you're gonna say. I'm gonna put feet, shoes on your feet. I'll put clothes on your back and I will fill your mouth with words. I say, Lord, help us today to let not the things of this life and the things that even press in on us currently be the determining factor. But I promise you this, if you never plant, it will never come up. Amen, and so I'm gonna push a seed in the ground I'm, and I'm gonna push that in faith because I know, amen, that there is an eye that is measuring every sacrifice. Amen, there is an eye right now watching this service that is measuring every sacrifice and I just wanna tell you, it will return. Amen, say that with me, it will return. Amen, let's say that again, it will return. Praise God. Amen. I recently listened to a message by Brother J.T. Pugh. Many, it was a message he preached many years ago in 1998, if memory serves me correctly. And he was in Bible college. He was working his way through Bible college. He didn't really have a family. I'm not sure the details of that, but he didn't really have a family from the age of 13 on. And so he was working his way. He received the Holy Ghost, was in Bible college, was paying his own way through Bible college. And when one of the students came home one weekend 
One of his friends uh, there also in the Bible college said to him, he said, well, I had an interesting thing happen to me this week. He said, I was on my way home and I, I was hitchhiking. They had no, they had, neither one of them had a car. And so he said, I was hitchhiking and stopped in this one particular town and I went in to get a haircut. And the man that was cutting my hair was a man uh, of a Baptist persuasion, but he said not, he was not a preacher, but just of a Baptist background. And he began to talk to him about the fact that he lived 15 miles outside side of the town where he worked and he said there is no church in the area and there's uh, no Sunday school consequently and so he said I've got a burden to start Sunday school for those children in this community and and so uh, this young man he got back to the Bible college he shared that with Brother Pew and Brother Pew was only 17 years old he said well now what was the name of that town and what was the name of that barber shop and he got the name of the town got the name of the barber shop got the name and the description of the barber and so he hitchhiked 45 miles to that town and he went into the barber shop he found the man and so when the man had a little bit of downtime he kind of sidled over next to him and he said I understand that you got a Sunday school that's going on I said yeah yeah he said I he said well I just wanted you to know that if you need a preacher I'm available and he said well how old are you he said I'm 17 he said I'm gonna have to think about that so in a minute he said, uh, if you can just go off for a little while, but come back by. And so he left and he came back by. And so they began to talk a little bit more. And he said, well, do you have a car? He said, no, sir. He said, well, how did you get here? He said, I hitchhiked. He said, I hitchhiked. He said, I live 45 minutes, 45 miles from here. And he said, well, I don't know how we would ever make this work. He said, because I don't live here in this town. I live 15 miles outside of this town. And so as they began to talk, he said, I tell you what, if, you will, if you'll meet me here next Friday afternoon, I'll let you go home with me and you can stay with us over the weekend and on Monday morning early, I'll bring you back to town and you can hitchhike back over here to get back to Bible college. And so Brother J.T. Pugh began to hitchhike those 45 miles on Friday. Are you with me now? <laughs> he began to hitchhike on Fridays and he was staying with a man. He was working on a little bit of a farm he had there, milking his cows, keeping everything kind of cleaned up around there and preaching to that little small group of Sunday school. And, uh, and so he said, he just kind of abbreviated this in his message. He said, they got up to about 40 people or so and he said, I don't really know whatever become of that because as he, as he got out of college, he had to move on. And you know what? Maybe in the eyes of someone, nothing came out of that. Amen. Maybe someone would say, well, nothing would come of that. You would be real grand if we could tell you that right now today there's a church of 5,000 people that are right there. But you know what Brother Pew was doing? He was casting his bread upon the water. He said, God has called me to preach. And so I am going to cast my bread on the water. I'm just going to do what I can while I can. I just feel compelled to the Holy Ghost. Last night when I began to think about all this, amen, I want to speak to those people that are involved in our outreach ministry amen just keep casting your bread upon the water amen you keep casting keep casting the bread upon the water I want to be real specific here amen keep casting the bread upon the water somebody say it will return keep casting the bread upon the water and keep casting the bread upon the water sister Baggett 
Amen. Keep casting the bread upon the water because it will return. It will return. Amen. I'm going to tell you whatever happened of that, someone may think, well, that was a total waste of time, but not a waste of time at all. In that same message and on the heels of this story, and pardon me for, for I just feel to share this. He said that he said he was kind of discouraged going through a real lonely time. He was working a job again, trying to pay his way through college, and he said, I, I was just discouraged. I didn't have a family, didn't have a lot of support. And he said, one night I had a dream, and in my dream, he said, I saw a beautiful lady that somehow I knew she was my wife. And he said that down beside her was a little blonde-headed girl, and on her hip she was holding a, a little small boy. He said she was standing in front of a house. Now, this is going to date Brother Pew here, and some of you will get this. He said she was standing in front of a house that had paint on it. He said, I'd never lived in a house with paint. He said, I knew that was my house and I knew, and he said there was a car in the driveway and in my dream I knew that that was my car. I was just 17 years old. Amen, later on just life just just began to move and unfold and you know life just kind of just happens a page at a time and if you're not careful you can kind of forget some of those events in your life. They just kind of become inconsequential because you never visit that again and he said they had now pastored a church I believe in Orange and now they moved to Odessa and the Lord had blessed them and God is growing their church and, and if you know anything about Brother Pew and his history and the church is still there in Odessa today pastored by his son. He said it was an Easter Sunday morning. They hadn't been there all that long and they had made a big push on this Sunday morning uh, and so he said we had really worked hard to make sure every I was dotted, every T was crossed but he said I just wanted to get there early because I just wanted to make sure everything was alright. So he said I went out and, and uh and he said, I got the car and I backed it out of the garage and, and he said, then a little bit my wife walked out and he said, I had a Polaroid camera in my hand because I wanted to take some pictures of our Easter service and he said, when she walked out, he said I thought, well just stop right there and let me get a picture of you and he said, when I pulled that camera up to my eye he said, in that square amen, he said, there was the exact picture that God had shown him when he was 17 years old, his wife amen, a little blonde headed girl Brother Terry Pugh was just a child on her hip. The car was in the driveway. I'm going to tell you, it will return. It will return. Amen. Cast your bread upon the water and it will return. Amen. God is a keeper of those records. Amen. Don't be weary in well-doing. God is keeping a record and it will return. Amen. I, I, I'm going to say to you this morning, give and it shall be given unto you. Give your time and God will bless it and give it back. Give your talent and God will bless it and he will give it back. Amen, you give your ability and God will bless it and return, he will return it to you. You give of your finance and your resources and you know what God will do? Just like everything else, he will take it, he will bless it and he will give it back. <laughs> Hallelujah. The disciples understood this principle when they were handed the fishes and the loaves. It seemed meager in the face of everything that they needed and all that needed to be fed but they said I tell you what we ought to do is we ought 
uh, put this in the hands of the master. And the Bible says that Jesus took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he distributed it back out to the disciples. And when it was over, amen, there were 12 baskets of fragments remaining. What are you saying? I'm saying give and it shall be given. Or in other words, I'm saying it shall return. It shall return. I've often said that paying tithes and giving offerings, it's not a financial issue, it's a faith issue. It is a faith issue. And so if you can't trust God with your money, friend, you are in trouble with your soul because your soul has so much more value than whatever you may have tucked away. The problem, the problem with the rich young ruler that he had in following Jesus was not the rules. He was a rule keeper from his youth up. That was his testimony. By his own admission, Lord, I have kept these since I was a child. But what kept him from following the Lord was his inability to trust Jesus with his future. Amen, I want you to hear me now, hear me closely. When Jesus asked him to sell all that he had and give to the poor, the Bible says that he went away sorrowful. He was grieved in his heart because what the Lord had asked him to do. Lean in now. Amen. I want to submit this to you this morning. Amen. That this young man only heard the request and he did not hear the promise. Amen. He said he only, I said he only heard the request and he failed to hear the promise. And if we're not careful, we too will be guilty of the same thing. This is what he heard. He heard the Lord say, sell whatsoever thou hast and give it to the poor. But in his own heart this is what he missed and thou shalt have treasure in heaven hallelujah the Lord is not asking you to give something because he needs it he's saying give it to me because I want to bless it and I want to give you something that is beyond what you could dare think dream or imagine amen give whatever you have give it unto the poor amen he got so grieved till he missed the promise and the Lord said if you'll do this I will give you treasure in heaven I'm going to tell you this morning there are going to be men and women by the scores that may or may not had a whole lot by this world standards depending what measuring stick you're using but honey on that great getting up morning you're going to want to be alive and you're going to want to be present. Amen. Brother Bobby Gibson, when somebody like Nona Freeman walks up, amen. Sister Amanda, when Nona Freeman walks up, amen, to receive her reward, friend, it's going to take a neck brace to hold her crown. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you will give what you can, he said, I, I will give you treasure in heaven. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord, shall we? <laughs> He only heard what he would give up and he failed to hear what he would inherit. Amen. With this story of this man fresh on our minds, it causes me to want to remind you of something very important today. That the automobile that you own, that car, that truck, or whatever you possess, amen, that's so important to you. Your name is on the title, but you hear this preacher this morning, one day somebody else's name is going to be on that title. One day. Amen. That property that you own, that home that you love, amen, that name that is on that deed, it ought 
ought to be important to you and it ought to mean a lot to you. But hear this preacher this morning one day, amen, somebody's gonna rub out your name and another name will take that place and somebody else will sleep in that room and somebody else will eat in that dining room and somebody else will cook in that kitchen and somebody else will drive that car. Hear me today, amen, it's moth and it's rust and it will decay and I say, God, help me to get a hold of something that's bigger than anything I could ever call mine, bigger than anything I could ever put my hands on. Hallelujah. I want to cast my bread upon the water because the Bible promises me it will return. It will return. It will return. Praise God. Praise God. Here's the godliest pastoral advice I know to give us. Whatever God gives you, whatever God gives me, ever how much he decides to give, we better hold on to it loosely. Hold on to it loosely. Call it yours loosely. Call it yours until another voice comes along. Because when you hold the blessings of God loosely, it won't hurt your feelings so bad when God asks you to give it back to him. I've told this story many times of a pastor we were preaching for that had been to Spain on a missions trip. He bought, I promise you to this day, the most beautiful pair of shoes I believe that I have ever beheld. I kind of like shoes. I don't have as big a problem as some people, <laughs> but I like shoes and I'm not ashamed to say that. But but uh, I saw, oh, I saw these shoes. They were were handmade, they were, it was, oh, it was just to die for, and he couldn't wear them, they were bothering his foot, oh, hated that, hated that, hated that, and he said, I want you to try these on, they fit like a glove, I preach like you never heard preaching ever before, Father, forgive me for I did just lie. <laughs> I was so thankful for those shoes. I was very thankful for those shoes. And a few weeks went by. We went to a church. We were in South Louisiana when this happened. We went to a church in the extreme uh, north edge, and north, almost the border, north border of, between Louisiana and Arkansas. And we were in a we were in a rally of sorts. Several ministers were on the floor, and there was a home missionary, a man who had just started a home missions church a few months before that, sitting on the platform. We were sitting there. I was sitting on the front row, and I watched him when he crossed his legs, and I saw that hole in the bottom of his shoes about the size of a quarter, and I thought, oh. Keeping it real. Hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. Because the Lord said, you need to go get that pair of shoes. I, I'm gonna tell you what, I knew what size shoe Robert Ritchie wore before I asked. That was his name, my brother Robert Ritchie. I knew what size shoe he wore. I could have, I could have told him what size shoe he wore. And I asked him, what size shoe do you wear? And he told me, and I said, I have something I'd like to give to you. And I realized at that moment that God was really trying to get them to him. Amen. They were in South Louisiana. He was in North Louisiana. He just needed a vehicle. He just needed somebody that would take them. And you know what? 
Here's the cool part. God gave me the honor of wearing them a few times in between. <laughs> Amen. And so I can tell you that I've had some of the finest handmade shoes on, <laughs> on these feet. Oh, my Lord, I'm meandering here. But hear me when I tell you that if we'll just give it to God, he will bless us. Yes, he will bless us. I've never been barefooted. Amen. There have been times God has not only let me get the shoes that I needed, but sometimes the Lord has let me just buy a pair that I wanted and I believe it was all because hear me now I'm testifying if you think I'm bragging you're misunderstanding me amen but I believe God let that happen in my life because I was obedient to him on a day when the Lord said give and it shall be given pressed down shaken together I will make sure that you have it I will make sure that you have it and so I tell you today have whatever you want to have amen call whatever you want to call yours but call it loosely hold it loosely and when the Lord asks for it, give it, and he will give it away again and again and again and again. He will give it away. Let's clap our hands again. Praise God. The Lord impressed holy men of old to write over 2,000 scriptures on the subject of giving. So with that said, I certainly cannot afford to shirk my responsibility. And so I want to preach like Jesus did. Because I want to just preach about the sacrifice of giving, but I want to talk about the benefit of giving. It's what I've been referring to in Scripture, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men... Given to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I know you've heard this countless, 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 countless times, but I'm going to tell you whatever vessel you use to dip it out, that's the vessel you give God permission to use to dip it back. Amen. I'm going to tell you something about the generation before us. They were not stingy. They gave and they probably had the least to give of anybody. But they gave. You couldn't go ask them for an egg and just get one egg. You've got to be kidding. You ask for an egg, you're getting two eggs. And you may get more than that. You ask for a cup of sugar, though they're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna pour that cup of sugar out and then tap, 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 make sure it's all packed down and brush it off at the top, make sure you don't get a grain more than a No, that's dip down in there they're going to give and that's why we are where we are amen that's why we are where we are amen I, I, I want I want I want the Lord to help us to be generous amen generous and we are we are I'm not being condemning but I'm saying this is no time to stop and if you're not if you're not amen I'll tell you what will break the back of stinginess that's given and there's no other cure I'm sorry you can't kind of wade into it. <laughs> I just feel like getting down here among you now because it's getting quiet. But you can't just wade into that. You can't say, well, I'll just get better incrementally over time. And I'll tell you the best way to do that is just jump off the deep end. Amen. And that, that and, and when you see what God begins to do, when you see what God begins to do about that, amen, I'm not just talking about your finances, but we are talking about that. Amen, that is the best way to get 
uh, the best way to get released over being stingy about your time, amen, is just jump off the deep end and devote yourself to a ministry in the church. Amen, I pray that God will help us today. Now the scripture in my text today said this, Exodus 35 and 5. I, I, I wanna say some things here in just a moment and I don't wanna be misunderstood. I haven't wanted to be misunderstood all morning, but I don't wanna be misunderstood. The Bible says in Exodus 35 and 5, take from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of, of, the, of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. Now, I believe that the Lord desires an offering among us. This is what I'm driving at. I don't think the Lord ever intended for his church to be sustained by selling perpetually chicken dinners every Friday. I might have to come back down again. <laughs> Amen. I understand churches in their infancy. I'm gonna tell you, if it hadn't been for peanut bread, they wouldn't be a church in North America. There wouldn't, be a, there wouldn't be an apostolic church. That's the only one I can speak about. There wouldn't be an apostolic church in North America, that's for sure. Amen. There have been peanuts uh, sold by the scores making peanut brittle. And uh, some of you nodding your head, you probably got grease burns on you from making peanut brittle from all through the years. And, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not being critical of because in, in a startup, you got to do what you got to do short of robbing banks. You got to just, you got to, <laughs> you got to, you got to get what you can get. But as a church begins to mature and grow, he said, can you throw that back up there? He said, we need an offering from among you. A church should be able to sustain itself. But there are no money trees. Amen? It has to come from the people. We have to give. We have to give and it shall be given. Amen. So I, I just pray that the Lord will help us, help us understand that, that we need people that are connected to the church. Amen. Not just a name on a roll, but they're invested in the church where the point where, where we shouldn't have to, and we don't, but we don't have to barter to survive. And what, what, how would you feel this morning if I said, now before we leave, we got three light bulbs out and we need to raise money to get them. Right? We need an offering among us. And so for the most part, when something, I want you to think we're just rolling around in it. I don't want to leave the wrong impression here, but for the most part, God has blessed us. And if an air conditioner goes down, we just, you know, thank God that we've got the, you know, we just got the, the funds to be able to take care of that. If roof needs to be replaced or something. I mean, there may be something at some point we need to talk about and, and ask for a little bit of help. But for the most part, getting by, you have blessed us. And because of that, we have that here. Amen. So I'm asking the Lord to just touch our heart, amen, that God would lay on our heart, that we would be givers, amen, givers. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit scattered here today, but I, I, that's how I feel, but I think the Lord's in this. I, I talked to you some months ago about men in this church when I was a young man, men in this church that I just sat with them. I would sit, sit with them because they were, man, I just idolized them. I appreciate them. I'm not talking about men that were preachers or missionaries or I'm talking about men, just good godly men in the church, and I would sit with them in the church and I didn't sit with them and get nosy and try to just see what all was going on during the offering time but you couldn't help but notice. Amen. I'm gonna come back down again. I don't know how every man or every woman does it but you know in my wallet I got a left side and a right side. 
<laughs> and the ones start on the lefts and I move all the way up to the fives on the right side. <laughs> slowly, slowly, slowly. It's trickling in, it's trickling in. I sat with men who gave in the offering from the right side. Amen. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about in the 70s. I sat beside men in this church. Amen, that back then in an offering, just an offering, we're giving $50 bills and $100 bills and an offering in the 70s. I'll just let that marinate a little bit. Amen, and you know what that did for me? That taught, I was just a young man. I was just looking. But I'm gonna tell you, it taught me something. It showed something to me. Amen, I don't know. I don't remember what those offerings may have been. That might have been a special offerings, but I saw 20s coming out of there. Amen, I saw 10s coming out of there. And that taught me something as a child. And I'm gonna tell you, if it wouldn't embarrass them, I wouldn't do this for a million dollars, but I'd call these men by name because I really owe them a thank you. Because I, I was just a kid sitting with them in church. I might have even annoyed them sitting with them in church. I might have bugged them with my wiggling and, and, and squirming around during the service, but I was thankful they were patient long enough for me to watch them contribute and give. I've been with them at fellowship meetings when they did just the same. Amen, when they would give from the right side of their wallet to bless a home mission church, when they would give and so I say, God, I am forever indebted by people to people who know how to give and give liberally and give generously. Now don't get quiet. Amen, there's no need to get quiet. I'm just telling you, God's been good to us this morning. Amen, God's been good to us. You're not worried about what you're gonna eat today. Hey, I don't want to be ugly this morning. I'm not going to be, but hear me. You're not going to pray this week about what you're going to eat. You're not going to pray one prayer this week about what you're going to wear or what you're going to drive or how you're going to get from point A to point B. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. And so I refuse to sit down and be quiet when we're talking about investing in the kingdom of God. He's been too good to me. He's been too good to me for me to be quiet. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for good godly men. Amen. I'm thankful for good. I'm thankful for every preacher and missionary. I'm thankful for every man or woman who is serving that capacity of the church. But can I tell you this morning, I just want to give a shout out to good godly solid men and women in the church who just give and pray and they support and they're faithful they're here on Sunday, they're here on Wednesday, amen, they're lifting their hands in prayer, they're fasting during the week, they're praying during the week that's what we're built on praise God praise God and so I say thank you to those men, some of them are still alive, some of them are dead and gone. But I'm gonna tell you, they taught this young man, that young man something who's not a young man anymore. But they taught me something. I wanna be able to do that. I wanna be able to do that. Amen. The blessing comes when we give from our living and not just from our abundance. Amen. There's a difference. I mentioned this the other night. There's a difference between a scriptural vow 
that Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes and the faith promise. What we're talking about in our commitment services are faith promises. Actually, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon was not necessarily talking about a vow in the sense of monetary terms. Solomon was referring to somebody maybe that was going through a tough time and said, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this, if you'll heal me and I'll make a vow, Lord, I will just do whatever and then forget that vow. That's more of what Solomon's talking about than a monetary commitment. So I just want to ease your mind with that. Our commitment Sunday is a faith promise. Let God lay it on your heart of what you feel like you could do. And you know what? If you lose your job, God understands about that. You're not going to get one phone call from me or anybody else. Amen. You're not going to be looked at any differently. We get it, but we just want to make a faith promise. Amen. I felt today would be a great day to recommit everything we can possibly. Not just financial commitments, but commitments that go beyond that. And I would like for us to recommit ourselves in many ways. And I want to speak specifically to Hatchman Apostolic Church today. We need to recommit ourselves to the house of worship like never before. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you when the doors are open, we need to be here. Amen. We need to be here. I know sometimes there's legitimate things that keep us from time to time. But you hear your pastor, if there's something always in the way, you need to get whatever that is out of the way and put God first because you never know what's going to happen when you are in the house of God. Amen. We just ask the Lord to touch us, to help us. Amen. To let nothing be so trivial that it can keep us out of the house of God. You know, it just seems like today, amen, that it doesn't take very much at all and that's sad amen we need to recommit ourselves to the house of God plain and simple amen recommit ourselves recommit ourselves to the Lord I, I will tell you I, I think I said this last year but the church I'm talking about not just this church but the church at large we are in the fight of our life we truly are I told someone the other day and you think I'm just venting, maybe you're misunderstanding me, but I I told someone the other day, I said, I almost feel like we're just like competing like Dillard's and Belk's and everybody else on Black Friday, just just competing to get people's attention to come. God help us. God help us. You can't take a fish out of water and throw it on the bank and it survive. It has to stay connected to the source. You can't take a cow and just dump it off in the ocean and it'd be all right. He has to stay connected to the source. You can pull the most beautiful rose bush up out of the ground and you can take it in your house and set it on your bookcase. But friend, in time, in time, you're just gonna have to sweep it all away because you disconnected it from the source. And I'm gonna tell you that we cannot stay disconnected from the source and stay alive. Amen. We need God to touch us. Praise God. Amen. How many has got another hour? Wow. <laughs> wow. I should have. Sorry. Amen. I appreciate it. How many has got? No, no. I'm just going to leave that alone. That's unfair to ask questions off the cuff like that. I, I think you all have an hour. Without controversy, we agree that God has made a special effort to admonish us to remember him. The most significant thing to remember about the Lord was that he came and died. 
Because if he had not died, sins could not be remitted. And if sins were not remitted, we could not be born again. So we've never real, really had a lot of trouble remembering his birth. Just days away from celebrating that. But the Lord must have known that we may struggle remembering his death. So therefore, he admonished us, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Because if we forget his death, here's the point, we may forget the reason for his death. So it comes to us in Scripture again and again, as often as you do this, you do show the Lord's Supper till he comes. So communion is a part, of an important part. The scripture is pretty open-ended about this. As often as you do this, it certainly doesn't say you have to do it the 31st of December every year or the 1st of January every year or the 7th of July every year. It just said, as often as you do this, you do show the Lord's death. And so we've come to a very special occasion in our service in a moment when we remember the Lord's death one more time. From the scripture, we understand that the Lord's Supper is not just a nice ceremony. It is not just something filled with nostalgic memories, but it's rather a statute. And if we properly understand it, it can accomplish several things in our life. I think at the top of that list, one of the things that it does is it ushers us into the presence of God. I don't think that Communion is anything that should be reduced to a New Year's resolution type mindset. But, but I do believe it is, a, it is a time where we can kind of deal with some things. It helps us to restore fellowship with God and, and it certainly helps us to restore fellowship with one another. And so in this communion memorial, we partake first of the bread, which is symbolic of Christ's body broken for us. The Lord's Supper speaks to us about the death of Christ. It was the death of suffering which paid the price for our sins. Oh Lord, help us to never read about this and hear about this without being moved, moved, moved. So every time we gather for communion, we're remembering, we're we're remembering that, that there's something here in the mix. We're waiting on the Lord's return. He said, if I go away, I will come again. I will come again. I want you to remember this message. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. So Jesus took the cup and the bread, which was just a cup and bread until he transformed them into something that had significant spiritual meaning and it became a powerful experience. I'm gonna ask our ushers, if they will get ready. The value of this experience depends on the condition of the heart, I believe, of those who participate because it's a serious thing to come to communion without, with an unprepared heart. So that's why we've been talking about it for several weeks, several services. We need to think about this. Now, I've said many, many times that people have said, I don't know if I should participate in communion because I don't know if I got everything just right. And my question to you is, when are you planning on getting it right? 
Because if you're not ready for communion, that means you're not ready for the Lord's return and he could come right now. He could call for the church right now. He could call for you on the way home. I'm not trying to sound morbid, but it happens every day. So don't leave this service before you get that right. Amen. Don't let that be the reason that you abstain. It's a serious thing to come with an unprepared heart, but it's a serious thing and, and a serious thing to receive it in a careless manner. As a matter of fact, I, I, I don't know how many would even remember this, but I was just a young man. I remember coming to a communion service one time and people were talking and chatting and my grandfather kind of got, got aggravated beside himself. He said, don't sound like to me that people are even in the mind of communion. Kind of sound like we was more at a party. We need to come with a prepared heart. Corinthians has been a uh, an, an observation of Scripture for many, many generations. The Bible says, "For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many many sleep, or they have died." And it's because they didn't take this part serious. This is a very serious. Thing. Communion gives us an opportunity to grow spiritually and, uh, and the blessings of, of God be bestowed upon our lives if we approach it in the right attitude. And so let's look at what it takes in order for us to receive the blessings that God would like for us to have. I want us to look at this quickly. I'm gonna ask our musicians if they will to come and, and uh, we can just partake of this from your stations here. Communion is a time for observation and so I think we should look back. We should look back over the year. I had some plans that were undone. How about you? Goals set that, that I, I, I missed some a little. I don't want to suggest that I obliterated the entire year but there were some things that I just didn't get done. So it just gives me a chance to reflect. The broken bread reminds us of, of Jesus Christ's body given to us. The cup reminds us of his shed blood and, and so we should look back. But I also think that we obviously should look ahead. The Bible says we observe the Lord's Supper till he comes. Now I'm gonna tell you something. I believe he's coming back like he said. <laughs> I've never been more convinced in my life of the soon coming of the Lord. And so I'm looking ahead, praying for the Lord to come. And I think specifically and on a personal level, we need to look within. And so if I'm gonna participate in this in a worthy manner, then I need to examine my own heart, judge my own sins. I need to confess them to the Lord because here is the deal. If we don't judge our sins, God certainly will. So I'm gonna ask you today not to leave undone when you're in the presence of the one that has the power to change. It's a compelling passage of scripture I've referred to so many times here and other places. But what, what, what an incredible scene when, when these bloodthirsty group of people, this bloodthirsty group of people drags a woman called in adultery to the presence of the Lord to point out her faults. And he said, he that is without sin cast the first stone and they all walked away. 
They walked away in their sin. They walked away from the presence of the only one who could have changed and forgiven and done anything about it. And so today I'm gonna ask you, don't leave undone, especially when you're in the presence of the Lord that can take care of that. We need to look around us. Amen, I believe that to look around to discern the Lord's body perhaps has a dual meaning. We should discern his body and the bread, but we should also look at the church because the church is the body of Christ. I'm gonna say unequivocally, there have been many times, and I'm talking about even in recent times, that Sister Boyd and I have felt the prayers of the saints. Now, if you're here today and you don't know what I'm talking about, just wait till you experience it, but I'm talking to some people who know what I'm talking about. You just felt the prayers of the saints that lifted you up out of that pit long enough for you to get a deep breath of air. Amen. Maybe you had to return. Maybe it wasn't time to be done, but, but the prayers of the saints just lifted you and sustained you. It's just, I don't know how to ask this question, but it's kind of a strange feeling, isn't it? A sweet, strange feeling. It's impossible for us to get closer to the Lord while at the same time we're separated from people in the church and so we need to make wrongs right and build bridges and tear down walls and say you know what we need each other I think God's blessed us with a great church but we're not a perfect church we're a long way from perfect and so the little things that divide and the little things that rub raw blisters and the little things that get under our skin, we need to deal with that and work that out as soon as we can because you know what? God's called us to something so great until we can't drag this oozing sore with us into the greatness of where God is wanting to take us. Amen. John 13 and 35 says, By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have loved one to another. I'm gonna ask you to stand, if you will, and we're gonna join together for a time of prayer and I'm just gonna ask the Lord to help us as we embrace this new year. And I'm asking you sincerely, if we have things wrong, let's ask the Lord to make them right and, and, and ask the Lord to help us. You know, the Lord not just gonna fix some stuff, we gotta go fix it ourselves. Ask the Lord to help us fix things, fix things if they're wrong. Even if you think they're wrong, it won't hurt to ask. It won't hurt to, t- it won't hurt to check because I want to make sure that everything is okay. Amen. I believe with all my heart that you have prayed before this prayer we're about to pray. And so this prayer that we pray today is just going to be like the prayer of Elijah on Mount Carmel. This prayer is just going to link to many other prayers we've already laid up. But I'm asking you to help and let's just join together and let's pray if it's appropriate You take that person by the hand that's next to you and maybe pray for them as well. But let's just ask God to touch us today. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking the Lord to touch us today. God, I'm asking you to help us. Let the anointing and the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost, God, let it move in our heart and life. I pray, God, that you will help us today to fix things if they're wrong, if there's anything cross-threaded, God, in our spirit, in our heart, in the community that we call Hatchman Apostolic Church. I'm asking you, God, to help us fix these things, Lord. I pray that your anointing would touch us and that you would strengthen us and that you would help us today.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.